1: Speakers and cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the Sneakers and Cleats podcast. This is Monday, October 23rd. This is episode 40. I'm Matt Roy. That's Don Harris. That's not Chuck McTank. That's Zach Hedrick. <laughs> oh, I forgot Stepping. we're
0: on camera now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should I do the podcast like this the whole time? Right. <laughs> I think that would. That how, was, that Luis, was, how do I look, Louis? giving off
1: Ron Burgundy vibes. That here. would suit a certain subset of our audience, <laughs> I'm sure. I was, uh
0: I was so comfortable, you know, not being on camera for this thing, just kind of picking my nose or whatever, you know. Now I have to worry yeah. about.
1: It. Now you got to worry about. <laughs> you you said, know, that's Don Harris. All all I was like, what, what do you mean
0: that's Don Harris? Oh, that's right. We're <laughs> <I'm laughs> on <camera. laughs>
1: It's only been like a, a month and a half. We've been doing it on cam yeah I know we'll get used to it eventually um as always we are going to start with our number game that just like you're going to say you're going to say say I'm going to say shoot or film film Film, go film a game just exactly (laughs) so number 40 uh, there was only one that really came to mind I was I had to come up with another couple but Gail Sayers is number four that's it that's it beginning and this is the easiest number game we've ever done yes uh the other ones i wrote down bill lambier sean Kemp, bartolo cologne just because i like bartolo cologne but big sexy big sexy bartolo i like cologne.
0: sean camp but i didn't think of him <laughs> <laughs> i
1: didn't No, i i literally had to go look up other names because i was like it's Gail sayers that's just it's gale sayers that's the only person that there is uh, At bit-
0: 41 his teammate brian song brian piccolo That's not who I've written down. Of course not. It's Dirk. We'll get to that in the next podcast.
1: (laughs) A little bit of a light card for us today. Cowboys on a bye, So we'll talk about them a little bit. We have full recap UTSA and their tough win over FAU. They're starting to look a little bit better. So that's good. Uh, Talk some Texas football as they went over Houston and uh, the ALCS, which Zach is repping real quick with his shirt. It's gonna be a rough. Anything can happen. It's gonna be game a, seven. It's gonna be a good day, maybe.
0: Zach, as your <laughs> sports director, I must say, you're not being an objective journalist.
2: <laughs> I can, y- yes, but when when it comes to baseball, I I, I cover both sides. He, he wore his
0: jersey the other day too. <laughs> oh, I beauty. got it here. It's here. Did you wear it on Sunday? Yesterday? No,
2: no. Uh, okay, I was at home trying to sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> True story. uh, when David Chancellor joined us all these 25 years ago, <laughs> the, he was my producer on Sundays, uh, on the weekends. And the first NFL Sunday that he ever worked at our station, when we were going to produce a whole, I don't know, I don't think we had a 30 minute sports show yet. He came to work in his Troy Aikman jersey. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, it's Sunday, it's Cowboy Sunday. I said, you're in the business now, man. You can't cheer. And, you know, it just, I was joking, but he was just like, What? Like, you can't
1: cheer. Took I mean, all the joy out of it. <laughs> That's the beauty of doing the pod, guys. We can show our fandom. We all have them.
0: You know, we do. And what's interesting is I have found that being in the business for so, so long, right? Like, even with my childhood teams, Cowboys, Spurs, whatever, that covering them, because of the situations wherever, and you have to be objective. And at times, like I shouldn't admit this, but there's there's there were times where I'm sitting in Phoenix on press row in a playoff game, and if the Spurs miss this free throw and lose, or, or make the whatever if Phoenix makes the free throw. Misses the free throw and loses. I go home because my wife is waiting for me for a, my son's four-year-old birthday party. If the Spurs win, I'm stuck in, in uh, Phoenix for two more days. So I have rooted against the Spurs right. to root for myself to stay out of the doghouse with my wife or whatever.
1: I mean, right? yeah, I was rooting against the Rangers yesterday for the sole purpose that it throws a kind of a wrench into the whole scheduling thing today right. for so, the rest of the week.
0: So fans may not understand that, you know, like like aren't you, you know, you ble- eh, You yeah. know, it's all part of the it's a it's part of our job now. It's not necessarily fandom. So yeah. I was my my greatest fandom in recent years was when my um, was my son's high school team mm-hmm. you know because i was just all into it and it was the first time that i used to, that i got those butterflies back and all that stuff that you feel as a kid for the spurs or the cowboys or whoever your team is i i had missed that for so many years i just i loved having it back and i found recently that i now feel that for utsa football because oh, yeah. I really love Jeff Trailer and I really love Frank Harris and become close with them and so on a Saturday, man, I will watch that game and live and die and throw things at the floor <laughs> and, and <laughs> scream at the television, run the ball that's a dumb which, you know, I haven't done in recent years. So I get it. I get and it. That with, makes it fun. It I does. get it. I with mean, you Rangers. We're all just we're all just fans, man. That's
1: what yeah. that's that's what got us started. That's where we are now. Like our fandom never goes away. It's just we have to, you know, subdue it a little bit if we're covering a team that we really like, we really dislike. No whatever. cheering
0: in the press box. No cheering in the yes. press box.
1: Unless you're the Spanish broadcast team at the Cowboys in Chargers game then you yeah, can see at, at SoFi Stadium it's so so you... weird that was God, just, that was the strangest in, thing
0: can you imagine me get your seat assignment and going there sitting next to those guys <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they did I'm they the broadcast I'm sure was great I yeah, mean yeah. they they, they, well, do they do a great they, they do a great
1: crap. job they didn't give a crap <laughs> they, were, they were going off anyway so let's get to the Cowboys since we're right there um coming off the bye obviously uh Eagles win last night uh, where where what's the status of your Cowboys belief as we head into the second half of the season? Obviously, the Eagles coming up next week. The Rams coming I'm up next I'm not this week. sold. This I think is compared to six weeks ago when you were you were in on the Cowboys. I you, was. I'm not sold.
0: I, I think the Chargers win was shaky. You know, I thought it was good. I'm not going to rip Dak. I've been critical of Dak but Dak was really good. He was solid. We, we criticized him for not being clutch. He was clutch in that game but McCarthy wasn't. Uh, clock management at the end of the half with that eight second debacle going forward on fourth and one on the 12 when you need points there and not getting it and then not taking points later when you should have taken points uh or taking a shot with eight seconds uh mccarthy's struggling and he looks like he's struggling but um You know, defense is as good as I thought it was going to be. I I think the Eagles are the class of the division right now. The schedule bothers me if you're a Cowboy fan. I think they better make hay quickly with the few games they got coming up because Miami and Philly twice, and there's there's some difficult games.
2: Yeah, Philly kind of almost twice in the span of about a month. Yeah. So you really hope Mike McCarthy has kind of retooled his offensive approach here during the bye week or something or something – some different wrinkle gonna get rolled out here i don't think there's really a turbo button on this offense it's all methodical and you know four yards here five yards here they can't move the ball quickly you know if if you had two minutes left what happens it's like well you know, yeah, we'll get there in 16 plays, but there might be zeros on the clock.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they don't run, they can't run the ball efficiently. They don't have explosive plays. It's all short pass game. And if we can string string together 10 plays to try and get into the red zone and then failing in the red zone. So the offense is completely – was we were sold a bill of goods on this explosive offense that we were kind of told was going to be there at the beginning of the season. There's
0: a glimmer of hope that CD was heard when he complained a couple weeks ago because he got the ball a lot against the Chargers. And they found Cooks a couple times in key moments, and I think still think they can stretch Cooks vertically. They, skil-
1: they scored twenty points. Yeah, it's true. They scored twenty no. points against the Chargers team that just led up three hundred and fifty yards to Patrick true. Mahomes in the first half yesterday. Very true. So I mean, it's I have I have zero faith, next to zero faith in the Cowboys offense right now. But they in their is You're putting too much pressure on them. It's like you can't win a game. It's like the the defense can't have a bad game and they're going to lose.
0: Yeah. No, I said, I, I, I think it's shaky right now.
1: So this week they're playing the Rams. I think they got the Eagles next week. Mm-hmm. What are they, what, what is your optimism or lack thereof, Zach, of them actually pulling out this division at this point as compared to seven weeks ago? Uh,
2: well, they're right there. They're, they're in it. They've only played one division game, so it's, it's all in front of them. So, it's it's kind of anybody's guess at this point point. one game behind the Eagles you know the Jets beaten them a couple weeks ago that helps out the Cowboys tremendously but um in a couple weeks after the Rams game when they go up to Philly
1: that's where we're really going to see is this Cowboys team for real are you are you sold on the depth of this team and and what we what we kind of allotted before the season it was like okay they have linebacker depth they have corner depth they have safety depth they have d-line depth but now we're kind of questioning all of that they've step. lost everybody they've lost everybody and now the depth is being questioned are we still sold on the depth of the team on offense and on defense or is that something we're also questioning
0: well i'm questioning it first if you start wide receiver Gallup is not the guy tolbert is not the guy we thought we were getting preseason. season vander is out seven's gone I do. I will say this: Deron Bland has been, uh, you know, like outstanding and almost like I I don't know what he was a fifth round
2: pick was he somewhere around there. And he's shaky in some spots, you know, where he kind
1: of gets beat. But he's a playmaker. It it gets covered up. Yeah, he's what what Trayvon Diggs is. He's a playmaker.
0: Yep, he's a playmaker. I don't know that he's quite Diggs, but uh, he he will suffice in in the short term. Whereas. At linebacker, with Vander Esch being gone, I think you got to move. You got to move uh, eleven to linebacker and, and bring an extra lineman in.
1: Um, I don't know if you can take Mike off the line. He's too. Yeah, he's Too. He's no, know, too but, valuable as a pass rusher.
0: Yeah, but who are you going to play at linebacker?
1: I mean, they brought in Janai Thomas, and I mean, and, and um. Rashawn, Juan Ye. and, yeah, Wan <laughs> <Juan> Ye, Sorry. <laughs> um, they do. They also have the trade deadline next week. Yeah. What what moves need to be made on Halloween or by Halloween to shore up the defense one, but two, maybe bring in another weapon because, my, like you said, Michael Gallup and Jalen Tolbert and and Cavante Turpin are not it at the weapons possession or positions.
0: I don't know. I've heard a lot of talk. You know that they're, they're talking about uh, trade Trey Lance uh, for. A big name, uh, Cincinnati's middle linebacker, or uh, a better defensive player. Man, I keep Trey Lance in my back pocket right now. Uh, I don't especially let with it. the contract situation. I, I keep him in my back pocket for now. Yeah, I.
2: As far as trade moves, Steven Jones a always running t- back. Could be, yeah. Um, and there's, yeah. You you bring up the wide receiver position, which is interesting. I don't know if they make a move about that because steven jones they always talk about it yeah we're always looking to improve the roster but that's the smoke and mirrors answer mm-hmm. where it's just like they're probably going to stand pat and not do anything um you know it's it's there's pick three positions and yeah you could probably get an upgrade but you know who are you going to give up to to bring in
1: yeah i mean they have a lot of holes right now they need probably need a backup offensive lineman they probably need a third receiver they probably need a, the the thunder to the lightning of tony pollard they probably need another corner, but like, what are you going to give up for all these things? Right, you have a lot of holes. Is that are you really going to sell out right now for this year, or are you going to kind of you know take this roster and see what happens? You're only six games in, and we're taught. I mean, sometimes we talk like the, the sky is falling, but they have 11 games to go. This we could be having a completely different conversation. And
0: this games. is where Jerry's myopia of Dak's gonna get us there, just wait. <laughs> He, this is where it hurts the team, right? Because yeah. he believes that Dak's going to make CD better. Michael Gallup is going to be a hall of favor as soon as <laughs> Dak finds him.
1: Yeah, those 11 targets against the Chargers and four catches were really good for Michael Gallup.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I, gotta, I, I didn't put it on the rundown because I made the rundown before the Eagles game last night. And, uh this was kind of the key, one of the key moments of that game. The tush push. I just got to ask you guys where you stand on it because it was a key moment several times throughout that final Eagles drive where there's no stopping it. It's a 92% play. Should they outlaw the tush push or not?
0: I didn't see any of it, man. I was watching baseball. Either way,
1: should they, uh, should they outlaw the tush push or not? Why? That's what I'm asking you.
0: They've, all, they've already outlawed all the good parts of football, like kick returns and hitting people, Uh, you know, so like, That's Tom Brady. Football was born out of rugby, and all football used to be just a tush push. It used to, I mean, that was football. They
1: line it up, and there was no forward pass there for a while.
0: (laughs) I I got no problem with them limiting, like, how many people can be in the backfield, uh, or the bush push was quote-unquote illegal, they got away with it against Notre Dame and made it famous. It was out, it was not in the rules for college football at that time. Now, they've got two guys in the backfield with a quarterback and two giant, I mean, you could make them linemen if you wanted to, line them up as fullbacks to go in there and just shove the guy forward. I don't know. That used to be rugby. That used to be football. I got no problem with keeping it the same, and I got no problem if they make the quarterback get it on his own.
2: It's interesting almost. I I've heard somewhere that the NFL owners were having meetings about this play. So it's it's uh, interesting that a bunch of, you know, the, the 32 owners are all talking about this and what do they do about it? Um, it's probably going to stay in. I don't see it being outlawed or anything like that, aside from them actually picking the guy up and, you know, chucking him over the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, they can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's almost getting to that you know it, it almost seems like it's getting to that point when i'm picturing yeah you line up two 300 pound guys behind you know it's not skill position guys anymore it used to be like a running back and a fullback who would push him, but now it's like yeah I'm, I'm kind of picturing that's almost what it is almost just yeah. kind of you know willing him over because it's just yeah we're, we're gonna line up and there's there probably
1: is ways to stop it but you know nobody's nobody's thought dreamed it up yet there's what I mean. I saw Justin Thomas last, or no Joe Thomas, excuse me, last night talking about how to stop it on Twitter and stuff like that. And there, I mean, people have their theories, but the the fact of the matter is, Philly just does it better than everybody else does. Yeah. And everybody's trying to do it. And nobody else can do it as good as they can. It's because they have a quarterback that squats 600 pounds, a Hall of Fame center, and a, one of the best offensive lines in the league.
0: And a cow. The Cowboys tried it. It didn't work. Yeah. I mean, because
1: Dak's not Jalen Hurts when it comes yeah. to running the football. Yeah. So outlawing something because uh, because one team is too good at it just doesn't really no, add up to me I the only mean, part that concerns me about it is Jason Kelsey's head like <laughs> that dude I, I feel bad for him he loves doing it apparently but I feel I don't want to see him in 20 years I <laughs> hope nothing happens to him because that that's a lot of blows to the head just one after another, after another, yeah. brotherly shove.
0: So, so I didn't see the game. What do they do? They they ran it multiple times. They ran
1: they ran it like five times. We, and Nick Sirianni said after the game, it's we're basically operating on first and nine because we know if we get to fourth and one, it's it's done.
0: We can go for it. So it that was know. it was every they time did, they did it. And fourth they did down. It, and
1: they did it on their own twenty five. They did it on their own forty five. They did it on like the plus twenty five. All on fourth. All down on fourth one. downs. Mm-hmm. They just kept. They kept kept going kept doing it, and it yeah. kept winning it kept going every single time A.J. Brown got tackled the one yard line brotherly, brotherly shove put him in there so yeah, it was, it was one of the key storylines of that game it's like do you outlaw it? do you not how do you stop this thing and it's like you can't stop it you just hope to not get him to fourth and one <laughs> now,
0: I can't understand the teams that get down to the one or two yard line and it's first and goal from the two you pass it and they pass a couple of times with the four it's like why don't you do that four downs in a row four tries in a row do the the tush push
1: trying to keep him off guard uh let's get to Zach's shirt I mean the ALCS um Zach I will I'll let you go first (laughs) who wins tonight Objectively.
2: Uh, you know, after game after game six, I, I watched the four days in October, 30 for 30. You know, and it's it's game seven, anything can happen. Uh Scherzer against Javier. I, I don't know. It this really comes down to pitching. Um because in the games that Texas has won, they've had good pitching. They've they've stymied the Astros offense because they've been able to whenever runners have gotten on. The Astros have gone missing with runners in scoring position uh, in the games that Texas has won. Now, for the Astros, Javier, he's he's their postseason guy, undefeated in the postseason. And he beat Texas in Game 3 with just a well-located fastball. It's not blowing anybody past it it's an average of 93 miles an hour but if he can locate it and he's been pitching up and that's why you're seeing all these pop-ups and you know first pitch it looks like a fat pitch but Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager they're popping out or flying out easy fly ball stressless outs and you know so that's what it comes down to um to me it's pitching whoever gets the betting better pitching performance tonight starting the game if you can get to the sixth or seventh inning without having to dip into that bullpen, advantage to whoever team gets that.
0: It's a coin flip for me. Um, I'm not sure what you get from Scherzer since he's been hurt. Since he's been back, he's been inconsistent at the same time. This guy's a Hall of Famer. He could throw a no-hitter tonight. Yeah. Javier's been really good, too. He's 2-0. and oh. I'm going to make this prediction again. I wouldn't be surprised in any scenario. I'm not surprised if Jonah Heim is the hero or Mitch Garver. But Rudy T, never underestimate the heart of a champion. And <laughs> something tells me just like Altuve when he came to the can came to the plate in game 5. I just he just knew what was going to happen. Right. I have belief in the Bregman, Altuve, Alvarez, Maldonado, Brantley, Crew. Based on the last seven-year history, at the same time, Josh Young could be the hero. Wouldn't be shocking at all. Yeah. So it can go either way, but I I'm going to bet that the Astros find a way.
1: Like I told you last Monday, I'm not going to bet. Like I said last Monday (laughs) when we were sitting here, when the Rangers were up one zero Ranger, I was like the Rangers are going to win tonight. The Astros are going to come back and win the series. I still think the Asher's win the series. It Scherzer hasn't been there. And like you and I talked about on Wednesday, it's like, we'll know if is gonna pitch a decent game in the first two innings. Like, we'll we'll know if he has it or we'll know if he doesn't. And last Wednesday, he had it in the first and he lost it in the second, third, and fourth. And it seems like if they, they, they're gonna need a three-run lead by the sixth inning to, they being the Rangers, they're gonna need a three-run lead by the sixth inning to make sure that that bullpen can come up clutch and hold down the Astros.
0: Yeah, the Rangers' bullpen's been shaky.
2: It a little been all shaky. Year. yeah I mean it has been shaky all year uh they've found a couple of guys spores getting out of a jam last night yeah was he, he made a big pitch and a great double play defensively that that might be an x-factor for Texas tonight just their great defense um well Leclerc too got out of a jam in the eighth he he did uh again it's it's just the free passes for me uh if you go back to Scherzer you were mentioning it you know in game three runners got on without having to hit their way on base it was a hit batter a walk leclerc got in he danced into trouble he got he was able to get out of it last night uh because you lifted the world series mvp from last year for a left-handed hitter in john in singleton that's got a lot of, that's got <laughs> a lot of astros fans asking why um that was an interesting move for me because it's like i know uh pena has been struggling but it's like you got to ride with your guy you know and and see what he can do also too i'm as far as the rangers are concerned i'm looking for a different approach from them at the plate because last night it was all pull 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 and it's just like on pitches on the outer half they were not looking to go to right field at all and if and if they're doing the same thing tonight uh then that's gonna go into
0: the astros favor i think you'll find houston being real aggressive early small ball get on base steal bases bunt. i think i think they're gonna try to get on top early yeah uh, i'm anxious to see mm-hmm. how that works i'm a little out.
1: concerned about the uh about about the wear on uh, leclerc's arms spores arms chapman's oh, arms, it, just because they've been used so much like they were used last night for 16 pitches each we'll see what happens uh, andrew haney came in came in and wrapped it up for him
2: yeah well and 16 is not all that much in 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 the grand scheme of things and and for game seven everybody's on board the 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 saving grace for the rangers last night for rangers fans was that home run that grand slam by adolis garcia that saved them from using chapman so and and it saved them from trotting leclerc back out there so it's it saved their pitches everybody probably aside from nathan avaldi is you know on on deck 10, right. Although
1: I would not be surprised if Uvaldi came back in. I mean, the dude the very the, kid for the dude is his nails in the postseason. He'll do anything, he, putting his elbow on the line for his own team. Like I've seen it time and time again from him in the playoffs. He'll he'll do whatever it takes. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's gonna
0: be fun to watch, man. I can't it wait. Will be. I would
1: mm-hmm. I would. Be willing to bet that Max Scherzer and Christian Javier have very, very short leashes tonight, though they'll probably go three, four max, and we'll see. We'll see the bullpens after that. But
0: they're both capable of just throwing jams. It's going to be so fun to watch. So see Astros, which does. I picked the Astros just because they're guts.
2: I told I told you in Arlington, it's either Rangers in six or an Astros in seven. I'm going Astros in seven.
1: I'm going Astros tonight too. So. Just like uh, how predictions work, the Rangers will win tonight. So How's, how's that for objectivity? <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: it. I love it.
1: <laughs> All right, let's get to UTSA and FAU before we get out of here. So, UTSA beats FAU in pretty dominant fashion 36 uh, 10, got that safety uh, late in the game. 3 0 in conference now. They got three game win streak going. They held FAU to 162 yards of offense, which is their season low, allowed just 20 rushing yards, the defensive line came to play, brought their lunch pails and, and smacked FAU over the head with them. So um, they're the offense now averaging 42 points in conference play. I think they're back, Don.
0: I, I do too. They won three conference games by 15 points or more. Um, the three headed running back situation is really fun to watch because they're all three, the same guy, you know, they, they run similarly. They're built similarly. they, 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 divvied out the carries I think they got 16 16 and 15 or something like that Uh, they run hard offensive lines better Frank is feeling better completing those short passes they have playmakers in Kellogg and and Cephas Uh, the play caller is getting better you know they lost Will Stein last year to Oregon Uh, and I think it took a while for them to get in groove especially with Frank being hurt um uh, that's helping but truthfully this this team is dominating because of the depth on their defensive line uh trey moore is dominating from the edge Matterson, evans ty leonard uh you can go on jamal Legan the linebacker you can go on and on with the the, the big boys up front that are just dominating inside uh both with the pass rush and stuff in the run i mean th- we knew they had these tools but s- there's been a lot of injuries and they've been forced to play more but they run guys in and out and they're fresh and ty Leonard's sack with i don't know if you guys saw that where he split two blockers uh late in the game that kid came out of galena park north shore as a very high recruit and he was skinny when he got here. And he's just now putting on weight. He's just now finding his way. He's got a chance to be a dominant player. And you saw it on that play. And they've got so many guys that can do that with Matterson. Joe Evans is transferred from LSU. Uh, those big boys are getting it done.
2: I. Yeah, I said it all right there. I mean, you know, it's uh, UTSA. It's all in front of them. Uh, three, the next three, should be, they should be pretty favored in those, I think. South,
1: 18 points this week.
2: South South Florida, um, I think, will be a good test for them. And, and that's coming up before the Tulane game. South Florida and Tulane are, are the big ones left, I think, on their schedule. Um, but yeah the way with the defense the way it's playing now i think frank getting back and and now that he's had his plays under him because you go back to what Jeff trailer said you know it's like hey he hasn't played he hasn't practiced much he got whatever, however many snaps it was in the Houston game, 50, 60 snaps. It's like he's he's behind. Now I think he's getting that body of work to where it's like, yeah, toes better. Yeah, you. he's he's there. He's he's you know in the system. Everybody else is there. I really like the wide receiver McCoy too. You know, yeah, he's they're yeah. still, they're still waiting on J T Clark. I know, but uh, with McCoy stepping up as well, I think they have some options in the passing game. I think they look out a little bit. They
1: don't have to play SMU. Which yeah, is the for other, which sure. Is the other yeah, no, Memphis.
0: it's a big yeah, miss. Memphis. So
1: I mean, they, they looked out a little bit with their, with their schedule. Yeah, no I mean, doubt. You, you look at no yeah, doubt. East Carolina, you're going to be, I think they're an 18 and a half point favorite, something like that. North Texas, you should be favored pretty heavily. North
0: Rice. Texas, pretty good.
1: Right. <laughs> no, they
0: are. They are. I, you yeah. know, I, I'd be the first with North Texas. Yeah. I was going to say but alum. <laughs> they have been pretty good. They've surprised me this year.
1: Rice. They're going to be heavily favored South or, and then South Florida and Tulane to close it out and then you're hopefully in the championship game even if you lose to Tulane maybe you you play him again in the ACA they'll be favored they should be favored in every game except for the Tulane game probably
0: UAB beat South Florida uh, and they you know they weren't in the same class as as UTSA yeah this this last game surprised me too I'm
1: a little bit concerned uh, about the interceptions from Frank the two that he threw weren't good i mean when you look at him one to pick six once to tip the line pick six and then the other one is just trying and giving your guy a 50 50 ball is under a little bit so i was jeff
0: trailer jeff trailer criticized took all the heat off frank for both those throws i didn't i don't know that it's accurate but he said the receiver made a bad play
1: yeah i mean he's gonna do that in the, in the to us <laughs> yeah. and, and out front but i'm sure inwardly in that locker room he's like he's given frank the business a little bit at least. yeah so I, th- I think they'll win this week for sure against east carolina i mean i, don't, oh, they I, w- should. I wouldn't expect them to lose this game. they
0: should all. don't eat the cheese <laughs> that's the message this week
1: <laughs> all right well, we're gonna do a little short version if you notice that we didn't talk about the spurs that's because we're actually recording a spurs only podcast for wednesday It will air wednesday we're gonna record it here in oh two minutes um because the spurs era new era is beginning for the spurs isn't that right Don?
0: It's the Wimby Watch!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Presented by Central. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, we will get that on Wednesday. Very special episode, full Spurs preview. We're going to have predictions. We're going to have expectations. We're going to have what size shoe Wemby has. You know all those <laughs> all those dumb things. But that's all we got for you today on Monday's edition of the Sneakers and Cleats Podcast. Remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Please download, rate, review, subscribe, give us some feedback, tell a friend, tell an enemy, do all those good things. We'll talk to you right back here on Wednesday for the Spurs edition of the Sneakers and Cleats Podcast. We'll see you then.